Welcome to the St. Elias Report, where evil and heresy are exposed by the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ through sacred scripture and tradition of the one holy, Catholic, and Apostolic Church. I am your host and humble servant of God, George Anthony. Hello, everyone out there. My name is Vic Hermanson. I am the producer of the St. Elias Report. The star, the host, and the intellectual talent of the St. Elias Report is George Anthony. I'm going to hand the show over to him in just a minute, and he's going to tell us about what the St. Elias Report is going to be. I believe in complete honesty in media. George is, at this point in his life, overwhelmed with work, time, children, the fact that he is deeply impacted by what he sees as the uh, evil in the world. And so we are winging this episode, seeing if we can make something magic happen. Whenever anybody starts a new podcast, they have to figure out what the heck it's all about, how they're going to approach it. If you listen to my first podcast, they are horrible. But I've gotten better over time. George is going to have to figure it out, too. George, what do you see for this podcast? What's your goal? What do you want to accomplish with this? Thanks, Vic. What I hope to accomplish is to expose evil in the world, and specifically through a Catholic, a traditional Catholic lens. Um, as you know, I have studied extensively uh, things such as satanic networks, occults, pedophilia, uh, satanic ritual abuse. And I hope to share that with our audience tonight in that there are many other things that people tend to ignore. Um, they're just some of the things that I hope to bring light to. The others, sexual deviant lifestyle, heresy within the church, and all the things that I would consider and any good Catholic would consider evil. So yes, this is going to be a podcast through a traditional Catholic lens. And we hope to hit on many subjects as possible, but with very precise and concise reporting. Are you more concerned about the state of the Catholic Church in general or the state of the world in general or equally for both? Equally for both, because the mission of the Catholic Church is to bring the world to Jesus Christ. So you cannot be concerned with the church by itself. You must be concerned with the world. Although we are not of the world, we are in the world. But it is our job as faithful Catholics, faithful Christians to bring the world to Jesus Christ. So we, we need to do, do both. We need to clean up our own house. And then in doing so, we need to bring the rest of the people to the Holy Gospel. Let me ask you just a couple of uh, preliminary questions. How long have you been studying these issues and what caused you to start studying them in the first place? So I've been studying these on and off and, and researching for over 15 years. Now, I've always been a student of religion um, ever since I could uh, 
walk, I guess, walk, talk. And, and, you know, I had, I had several good influences in my life, holy men and women. Um, but, uh, as far as satanic ritual abuse, uh, Satanism in the world and just pure evil, uh, whether it's a satanic or otherwise nature for the last 15 years. And my research has been unfortunately prior, uh, to the last five years, kind of separated and, um, siloed, if you will. However, I've started this, I'm starting to see and started to see dotted lines between different schools of thought examples. So I would study Satanism in just a religious philosophy style. And then I would, I would study um, ritual abuse in its own manner. But then I started to see that Satanism and ritual abuse tie into each other and just pedophilia specifically. I also start to see deviant sexual lifestyles like the LGBTQ LMNOP lifestyles, if you will, the Skittles lifestyles, the rainbows lifestyles, whatever you want to call it, um, trans and others feed into to the satanic agenda. So it's not just some Bible thumper out there saying, oh, this is evil. It's in the Bible. We're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, although that is very true. There is a lot to be said for real world application. It seems to be that, uh, you know, certain organizations like to propose and uphold deviant lifestyles. Uh, those people, uh, most of them, not all, most people who hold the deviant lifestyle close and near and dear to their heart seem to be involved in other things. And you can continue to go down the rabbit hole and see how these things connect. And that's what I hope to discuss and hope to bring to light. What do you see as the biggest issue that the Catholic Church faces today is in terms of of dealing and successfully addressing these issues? Well, our house has to be clean. I, I believe that the Catholic Church has unfortunately been infiltrated by pedophiles, homosexuals, evil men and women, Satanists. And I'm not saying that there are it's overrun with them. Obviously, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church as Christ has promised. But that doesn't mean that the church is not made of men. The church is made up of men and women, and especially in the hierarchy, especially the religious, are men. And they have been caught in some filthy, dirty things. And not only been caught, there's things out there that people aren't, aren't seeing. You have example. We have this German Synod of Bishops. The Synod of Bishops is the meaning of bishops for any particular place or concern. Well, the German bishops have decided that they were going to meet and decided that they were going to propose some things against Catholic faith. Uh, honestly, against Christian faith. But some of our Protestant brothers and sisters may or may not agree. I'll give you an example. We are now pushing, uh, well, not we, but the, the bishops in Germany, the Synod of Bishops is pushing and has signed a document that they want to propose female clergy. That's completely 150,000% against Catholic doctrine and, frankly, any Christian biblical doctrine. Um, they're, also pushing, they're also pushing for blessings, uh, official blessings of gay couples. That, that, is, that is a blessing of sin. That's like saying, let's go bless two heterosexual people who are sleeping together and call it a relationship. It, unfortunately, these things are happening in the church. We have other things like the condemning of the death penalty. Yes, we, are, we follow the commandments. And we say, thou shall not murder. It's not thou shall not kill just for the people out there that are you know, screaming at me right now while I say that. Um, but death penalty is 100% allowed in the instance that no justice can be served uh, to an offender, whether that be a murderer or otherwise, without doing some 
justice in return to the individual. In other words, if there's a situation where murder cannot be contained behind bars on a small island somewhere or that the overflow of population, it is 100 percent licit uh, to apply the death penalty in those cases. Now, it has become rare and possibly unneeded in some places, but it should never be. It should have never been removed from the catechism. Um, And unfortunately, this pope has decided to do so. Other instances of evil overlooking homosexuality blatantly. We have priests like Father James Martin who openly propagate and promote the gay lifestyle and say that church teaching is wrong. That is overlooked by the hierarchy, including prelates and the pope who's met with uh, Father Martin at least once. We have the ignoring of the situation in China of the faithful Catholics who form the underground church. The underground church is not the official church of China. What do I mean by that? So the church that follows the Vatican and the Holy Father is the underground church. They have not pledged allegiance to the People's Republic of China. However, there is an official state-sanctioned church in China, which one must pledge allegiance to the Republic of China. And unfortunately, the Pope has decided that he was going to make a deal with China where they would recognize the bishops and priests ordained in that particular branch of the church. So as opposed to giving credence to the individuals who've been suffering like the early martyrs in underground churches and hiding and practicing the true faith, the Pope just disregarded their years and years of suffering and has decided to say, oh, well, you know, these priests here, they're listed and and valid. It's a complete disrespect to to the, the martyrs in China, as well as the people who are uh, in those underground churches trying to practice the true faith. Um, if you go in any of these churches in China, uh, not the underground ones, but the the state the state sanctioned churches, you will see a picture of a picture not of Jesus Christ, but of the president of China and several different communist symbolisms. Also, every priest on Sunday must submit his sermon to be verified by auditors so that he preached nothing against the People's Republic. So this is just a couple of the disgraces and heresies that we're going through now that are either being overlooked, people don't know about, or only you know the few and far between understand. So this is, this is where we're at now. We need to clean our, our shop up, Vic, so to speak. What do you think the motivation of the German Senate is? That's a good question. The, German, the Germans have already always been a a, uh, I guess, liberal-minded people after World War II, at least in my opinion. And I don't know why it's just in Germany, but there are voices here in the United States that are calling for change. There's voices in Europe that are calling for change. And frankly, the church Mm -hmm. can't change. That's what makes the church the church. You you can put whatever rules out there, man-made that you want, but there's certain things laid down by Christ that are extrapolated throughout throughout the centuries by holy men and women, and that are put into put into effect. You can't just simply say, oh, what was good for 2000 years is no longer good. You can't oppress and repress and suppress all the presses, the traditional Latin mass for 2000 years, for 2000 years, holy men and women have practiced, at least from the Roman Catholic perspective, in Latin, in a certain manner. Now, all of a sudden, traditional Latin mass goes away. I don't under, to go back to the particular question. I don't know what the, the goal of the, the Synod of Bishops in Germany is, but all I know is that it has a homosexual undertone to it 
and they're trying to liberalize the church. There's listen, I'm going to be very blunt. There's plenty of so-called Christian churches, quote unquote, that recognize female preachers and homosexuals. Um, I suggest that if they want to, they go to those churches because certainly what they're preaching is not Catholic. It is a sin and it is not even Christian. Forget about Catholic. I, I believe Catholicism to be the only way um, and that some of our Protestant brothers and sisters by no fault of their own have you know, fallen away because of the, because of the, the way history has gone, right? If you were, if you were born a Baptist in, you know, West Virginia, uh, by no fault of your own, you're not a heretic. I will not consider you one, but I do consider, I do consider people like Martin, Marth, Martin Luther and Zwingli to be heretics. They knew better. They were, they were the ones that started this movement. And unfortunately it seems like we're going back to the days of Luther in Germany. Um, you know, people dissatisfied with the church because it's not a populist movement and they want to change it to the way they see the world. Well, the church is supposed to be separate from the world, not of the world. We're supposed to preach to the world to change, not make it comfortable for, we're not making the church comfortable for sinners. We're trying to bring sinners into the church and make them comfortable in the light of God. That's the difference, right? You don't bring something sacred down to the profane. You bring the profane up to the sacred. Do you think that the German Senate and other groups like this have as a goal the eventual destruction or dismantling of the Catholic Church? You know what? That would be very foolhardy for me to say that they do. I really honestly, truly believe that there's some people that believe the Catholic Church is indeed universal and has a long reach and that they want to use it for their own perspective. I don't. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are some evil men in the church. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to hide that. There are some evil men in the church. Um, There's some Satanists in the church and there's some really, really bad guys. But Mm -hmm. I do believe a lot of these bishops really think, you know, let's get with the times. It's this modern concept that we need to be one more organization in the world going with the flow and seeing how we can change. It, it, almost as if the church is outdated, crusty and rusty. But that's the whole point. The world is outdated, crusty and rusty. They're, they're going down a path to hell. And it, there, there's no better time for one to see this, right? Everywhere you go, it's conform, conform, conform. And if you know you have anything like a, a three-person traditional or four-person traditional family where you don't accept deviant sexual lifestyles, where you don't accept a certain political uh, normality in the world for what's good for you is good for you. And what's good for me is good for me, where you preach definites like definite right and wrong, like abortion is murder. Homosexuality in the act of sex is sin. You're a bigot. There's no more right and wrong. There's well, if you murder your baby and that makes you successful in life and you become a, a physician, that's great. But I wouldn't do that in my religion. No, there's absolutes in life. There's absolute rights and there's absolute wrongs. There, there's religions that are completely cults. And then there's those that are not. And, you know, I stand firm in, in what I preach and what I believe. I come across sometimes uh, um, as pike as passionate is the word. But we have to do that because the, the, this this going back to the Synod of Bishops is, is a danger. We can't hold the label Catholic, a very sacred label and say we stand for things that are against the foundation of the Catholic Church. Like I said, you know, 
get off the pot. <laughs> it, there's <laughs> plenty of other. There's plenty of other. Uh, there's plenty of other games in town. Methodist Church will be happy to accept you. Well, those Methodist churches that are remaining open, uh, that's the. There have been more Methodist churches closed in the last several years than any other denomination. And do you know why that is? Because we have a lot of the influx of the Methodist preachers that are now in seminary that are relearning or learning for the first time the Catholic faith. Even the, even the Church of England in the United States, which I believe is called the uh, Episcopalian Church, mm-hmm. uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks are, are, excuse me, a lot of clergy, the men clergy, that is, mm-hmm. are, are coming to the Catholic Church. They're, they're taking vows. Um, and they're being accepted as the Anglican communion is what we, we call them in the Catholic Church, meaning that our, our um, liturgies are so closely related that it was only a matter of certain practices that one need a vow. And, you know, there, people are running for the hills left and right. Why? Because, you know, every every you have like, I don't know, Father Jane. What is that? You have women. Pre- I, I just I don't understand it. Um, but we're we're certainly going that way because now we have the synod of bishops suggesting women deacons of all things, right? And what's the what's the purpose of a deacon? Well, the 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 true purpose of a deacon, the true purpose of a deacon is to prepare for priesthood. Okay, mm-hmm. they started with this nonsense in the '80s by allowing female altar servers. Okay, so it's a slow drip, Vic. It's a very slow drip. They started with this nonsense by allowing uh, young girls, you know, after Holy Communion to become female altar servers. Well, the point of an altar server is to prepare young men for the priesthood, right? It, it's a simple fact that, you know, you're an apprentice for the priesthood. Like, do, does every altar boy become a priest? No, but you get a taste of it and you see if that life is for you and you see if that prayer life is for you. Now, in most of these churches, I see all the boys sitting around dilly-dallying and I see, you know, what seem to be very faithful young women serving the altar, but they've been guided and instructed wrong and there is nowhere for them to go. Unfortunately, it seems like with this new version of the church, this new hierarchy, that's exactly what the plan was. Now we have the German Bishop Synod talking about possible female deacons. Well, it won't stop there. The next logical conclusion is to have female priests. And at that particular point, I'm not sure where heresy will you know, where a schism will be set in the church if it's not already set now. But those bishops, if they're not already in schism, it's not for me to decide. That's only a pontiff, I believe, can decide or an ecumenical council. But at some point, if it's not already happened, they will be in schism from the true church. And that might mean that 95% of the people in Catholicism that follow the Catholic church may be in schism from the true church. See, the, the thing we have to understand is the true church isn't a place or a thing or a majority vote. The true church is those that actually follow and believe the doctrine and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if that's example, it's just me and Vic that are following that doctrine. And like all billions and billions of people are talking about, um, abortion being okay and women priests being okay and women deacons being okay and blessing gay marriage is okay. Well, guess what? You only have two Catholics in the world. Everyone else is not. So that's, that's a thing that our brothers and sisters, um, I think in the Protestant faith and just frankly in general society don't understand. They see the Catholic church as a man-made organization and the majority rules. Oh, your religion is changing. I always, I always argue with people. I says my religion is never changing. It is the people inside the religion that are 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 separating themselves from the Holy Gospel. We don't need the Vatican. 
and the Holy See to have to have a, have a church. We have a church handed down by Jesus Christ himself. So it's a little preachy right there, but you, you have to get that point across because when people talk about like the Lutheran church or the Methodist church, they see, you know, the board of bishops, they see, but yeah, that's all man-made. And I understand why they see it that way, because those churches are frankly not the true church. The, the only true church, the only, the only churches, in my opinion, that have apostolic, apostolic succession are the Catholic church and the Orthodox church. And the only thing between them is who is the, you know, who is the head of the bishops. It's a political thing, but they both have ordained ministers directly from Jesus Christ. Everything else is, you know, suspect. So where, where we're going down the line right now is that we're trying to ordain women, which is impossibility, which will invalidate holy orders, which will invalidate sacraments. So anyone receiving a sacrament from one of these quote unquote women priests will not have valid sacraments. Eventually Catholicism will become so small that it might just be you and me. I say it facetiously, but it, it you know, it might just be a group of like, you know, a thousand guys in Africa, let's say. It, and that, that's what people, you know, tend to not see past the weeds. George. Pope Francis is now in his what, mid 80s at this point? I believe so. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Mid 80s. It seems to me like he's been looking more and more unhealthy when I've seen him in the news in the last few years. Yes, God help him. It seems likely that he will not be Pope for, let's say, another 10 years. Where do you think the church will go after Francis? I firmly believe that there are enough liberal bishops that one will be selected from that group. Pope Francis has made bishops in his image and likeness um, over the last how many years. So it's it very possible that a bishop, let's say Francis number two, Pope Francis number two, in, in, image, in his image and likeness of progressive social change agenda will be voted in. Now, there are there's a different school of thought out there. There are some people who are saying the hierarchy had has has had enough of Pope Francis's uh, liberal positions, certain you know liberal positions, if you will, or, or, or left-leaning positions, and that they're looking for someone to be a little bit more conservative. Honestly, no one knows what happens in the Sistine Chapel when they vote. Right. No one knows how the Holy Spirit works. Uh -huh. um, there's been several, you know, life-changing decisions that's that have happened in there, one being Carol Wojtyla. No one's seen this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, no one pope from anywhere. And he he is now a saint, God rest his soul, and a holy man. You know, yet did he make mistakes? Sure, absolutely. And the, the trads that hear this, the, you know, the Catholic traditionalists, some will, will argue with me that he's not a saint. And I say, you know, let, let the, his miracles speak for themselves. Everyone makes mistakes. Saints are not perfect. They're not Jesus Christ. They're people who are sinners but have the light of Christ in them and they walk the very holy life. Okay. So get off my tangent, go back to Pope Francis. It's very likely that uh, it's probable that we have a, a liberal Pope, a, a, a liberal pontiff. It's also very possible that there's a drastic change and we get someone super conservative or at least semi-conservative. No one really knows. Um, I can tell you by the number of bishops that are been ordained and consecrated 
as bishops. There are more liberal bishops than conservative. The conservative bishops are slowly dying off, like George Pell, God rest his soul. Um, and you have other, well, I should say cardinals, to be quite honest, because a cardinal is a bishop. But mm-hmm. the cardinals that are able to vote are mostly liberal. Um, there are plenty of cardinals out there, but there's a particular age of which I forget. It doesn't uh, come to my mind at this point where you're not able to vote for Pope. You're not able to cast your ballot. Um, so the the eligible cardinals, because once you're cardinal, you're a cardinal for life. But the eligible cardinals um, are of the liberal ilk. And it's very possible and probable that we have Francis, too. George, most of Christianity outside of Catholicism and outside of a certain number of Protestant denominations, I think see the character of Satan as a concept, as a symbol, as a uh, a boogeyman, as something other than a genuine force and influence on the world. That is not your view, is it? Not at all. It's not the view of any good Christian. Jesus Christ said he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He didn't say the construct of the philosophy was a liar or a murderer from the beginning. He said the personage of Satan is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And if you don't want to believe the words of Christ, maybe we should reconsider your membership in the Christian faith. <laughs> it's not a construct. It's, I mean, Jesus cast out demons. It, what, what more proof do we need than the Holy Bible? We talk about, um, you know, sola scriptura. So I'll, I'll pound on that for a little while. That's fine. If we want to do solo scriptura, uh, you know, scripture only, maybe we should start listening to scripture <laughs> because scripture itself talks about the person of Satan. Jesus Christ talks about the person of Satan. Jesus Christ casts out the, the minions and the, and the demons of Satan, if not Satan himself. So is Jesus just another philosophy and you've chosen the best philosophy or do you truly believe Jesus Christ in the words that he says? I challenge anyone on that particular point, and and many others, frankly. I'm aware of your study and concern with organized satanic groups within the United States and probably the rest of the world. Since that is something that you have talked about a great deal, why don't you discuss that that here for a few minutes? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have... Um... Obviously, I have a real big problem with satanic groups, obviously, because they're they're the enemy of the church. They're the enemy of Christ himself. They're the enemy of God. They're the enemy of the faithful. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. So let's let's unpack this. So in the United States and elsewhere, we have things uh, we have organizations like the Temple of Set, the Church of Satan, the Temple of Satan. We, We have all these organizations that claim to be philosophical groups that oppose traditional Judaic Christian principles and believe that man should be the center of his own universe and that rights and wrongs are not universal and that relativism is key. Now, what do I mean? So if I want to have an abortion, I should be able to have it because I believe it's right. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. Things of that nature. If I want to live a deviant sexual lifestyle and corrupt society, uh, I should be able to do that. And you shouldn't. Now, what's, what's very precarious about these organizations that hold this relativism is they actually have polarizing views. 
So they all say murder is wrong publicly, by the way. So I, I don't believe any of their their garbage um, that they put out. Murder is wrong and taking care of the poor is right. But if I'm a real Satanist, if I'm a real Satanist, whether I'm a philosophical one or a, a liturgical one, that's not relativism. How can you be a relativist while still proposing absolutes? How can you say, example, the Church of Satan holds what's good for me is good for me, do what thou wilt, right? This is the old Aleister Crowley tagline that most good Satanists hold, do what thou wilt. Well, do what thou wilt will fall under abortion, deviant sexual lifestyle. Hey, pedophilia, um, pederasty. What about bestiality? But you'll never hear any good Satanist, at least publicly, saying that's okay. So there's two things going on. They're either full of crap, which I don't believe they are, or they're liars, which I believe they are. And I'm not saying you're everyday idiot Satanist, 16 year old black wearing, you know, I, I decide to like look like a crazy goth zombie. Marilyn Manson, big jeans and Doc Martens. Yeah, yeah. Well, Marilyn Manson probably knows better, but um, we'll get into him later. <laughs> but the, 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 the kids that get involved in this or, or the people who just get involved in this for shock value, they've been led astray. But I think the people that are doing these things, uh, running these organizations, they honestly know what they're doing. Look, there's several proofs, okay? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll focus on Lucian Greaves and his, and his temple. Lucian says that he's not a liturgical Satanist. He doesn't worship Satan as a deity. It's only um, with regards to philosophy. And it's a it's a it's a rebellious concept to fight against Judeo-Christian norms that have set up this country and that he feels are bigotry and uh, suppressive, oppressive to other people. OK, that's all well and good. Right. Well spoken, Lucian. Thank you so much, which isn't re- your real name because you're a coward and won't use your real name either. However, why do you have liturgical services? If you look up the different, if you look at the definition of religion, you have a concept, a philosophy, but you also have aspects of worship and outward signs of worship. So why do you need a black mass solution? Why do you guys need a black mass? If you're just philosophy students, why don't you sit around and preach philosophy all day? Why do we need to have to have the theatrics? Is there theatrics in the Catholic mass? Absolutely. Bells and smells, kneeling and standing. Uh, certain liturgical motions of bowing and kneeling. We have theatrics. Theatrics aren't bad, but there's outward signs of our faith in Christ and our submission to him. So if you don't actually believe in a personage of Satan, a murderer and a liar, a child abuser, a rapist, then why the theatrics? And why the opposition directly to the Catholic Church? If you don't believe that we are anything to be dealt with, why your direct opposition to us? Is it because the devil knows who the true faith is and Christ is, is true? You, you, don't, you don't see them attacking the Methodist church. You certainly don't as, as see them attacking the, the Lutheran church or the Baptist, although our brothers in Christ will fight with us against this, but they directly attack the Catholic church. They steal hosts from the Catholic church. They graffiti the Catholic church. They tear our, our signs and our symbols down, our statues and our crucifixes. They steal from our churches uh, the Blessed Sacrament. Very rarely do you see a Baptist church or uh, another uh, another Protestant denomination and, and good men of men and women of goodwill's churches being torn down to the shreds. You you hardly see it because the 
The devil knows who his enemy is. He knows who the threat is. And that's why he's been trying to infiltrate the church since the beginning of time. So, you know, it's a long rant, but there, there's, a, there's a lot of things to be said about Satanism. And the other part of Satanism is you, you see them frequent with like-minded individuals. Why is Satanism so hell-bent, pun intended, on promoting abortion, murder? Because it's disordered, just like the religion is disordered. Why is Satanism so hell-bent on promoting LGBTQ lifestyles? Because LGBTQ lifestyles, when lived out to their fullest logical conclusion, break down society with the elimination of traditional families. Traditional families produce children. Children produce children. Children produce children. If everyone becomes a homosexual tomorrow, a practicing homosexual, with no recourse for reproduction, society will soon break down. Satan is attacking life itself, whether in the womb or whether through the stopping or proposed stopping of reproduction. There can be no more church. There can be no more individuals without life. Love is not love. Love is Jesus Christ. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega. You know, all these, these nice-sounding things out there, um, well, what's good for you is not good for me, and, you know, I need to live my life and be happiness. Look, happiness isn't something that you gain. Happiness is a person that you seek. Talk about that a little more. Sure. So, you know, I, I believe that Christ is order. Christ is order and cleanliness and goodness and love and peace and harmony. Satan is evil and discord and filthiness and murder and lies. It's all the opposite of Christ. And I don't see how anyone could see there any goodness in that. We, we, we use these words like good and happy and nice and love, but, but how could you have, how can you have blatantly ugly imagery and call it beautiful? How is the author, or excuse me, at least the representative of your faith, Baphomet, a hermaphroditic goat? How is that beautiful? That, that, that's so disordered, even on the base level. Forget the philosophy of it and the abstract of it. How, how do you see that as beautiful? How does anyone see that as beautiful and good and clean and kind? But they stand behind it and they will lie. And what's even more disgusting is these organizations will go out and do things like sock drives, blood drives, food drives. Christ said, Satan will come like an angel of light. And they're, they're, they're living right up to what Christ said. It's, it's literally, I mean, you would talk about the Bible. We could sit here and give you the instruction manual for life, but you know, far be it for me to far be it for me to have all the answers. I only have the answers that were given to me. Not none that I'm coming up with myself. George in the current zeitgeist in the current state of the world, in the current 
manifestation of society, what you are doing is dangerous. What you are, the positions you're taking, the zeal with which you are presenting them, the fact that you are willing just to stand up and say, this is what I believe, regardless of who believes it or doesn't believe it, that's a dangerous and rare position to take. Does that in any way frighten or concern you? It doesn't frighten me from a perspective of the way I fear my own demise. What I fear is for my family. Honestly, I, I uh, am very protective of my family, but I have no consideration for my own for my own welfare. I mean, yes, do I want to be safe? Do I keep myself safe? Absolutely. Do I look for danger? Absolutely not. But I, I liken myself, and God forbid I even come close, but I liken myself in this to our Lord in the temple. He didn't care for his, he didn't have concern for himself when he went into the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and, and those people making profit off of God. He went in because it was the right thing. Um, Elijah didn't, you know, St. Elijah or Elias, who this report is named after, had no concern for himself when God told him to slay all the priests of Baal um, because they were blaspheming and, and doing harm to society. He didn't have any concern for himself of repercussions. So I try to be like those people, including John the Baptist, who really didn't care if he was going to be arrested and beheaded because he was preaching repentance. Now, I'm not anywhere near these men, right? Especially our Lord. But I am taking example from them and standing up. The Bible says, because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. You are neither hot nor cold. You, were, you, know, you have to take a stance. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to live by taking a stance. So I'm going to call things out where they are. I'm not going to make people feel nice and happy and and comfortable. It's not my it's not my job to do so. My job is to follow Jesus Christ. My job is to uh, hopefully be held accountable for my own sins and my shortcomings, which are many and frequent. So I'm not being preachy to other people, but I'm also not going to sit here to my friends and family, those that I love and those listening to this podcast, and give them a bunch of malarkey. Uh, things like, you know, that are being said now in the church that Christ is the privilege way. No, I'm going to say it right now, prelates. I'm going to say it right now, Bishop Barron. Yes, I'm calling you out, your eminence. Christ is the only way. If he wanted to be the privilege way, Christ would have said, I am the privilege way. But he didn't say that. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, before Abraham, I am. He called himself the I am, the name of God. So, you know, if you if you can't read that, I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care, um, you know, w- what position you have in the church. They're, they're simple matters of fact. So, no, I'm not scared to take a position. Am I scared of danger and death? Yes, just like the, the next man. Am I scared of being uh, accosted, kidnapped or abused? Absolutely. But am I but I am scared about being judged for what, what I'm talking about. I'm not. Um, I have other sins. <laughs> that I need to worry about being judged. They're the scary ones for me. But speaking plainly, speaking the gospel plainly and try to follow it to the best of my ability, although I stumble every other four minutes, absolutely. You know, I, I don't have any problem talking plain. It seems to me, and I know that we've talked about this, that much of the world, many of those forces that would be allied against Christ are focusing with 
every bit of energy and effort and zeal that they have on children. It seems to be open warfare on children. Would you like to talk about that? Yes, um, this is a very hard subject. Um, this is a very sensitive subject, and this is a very delicate subject, but it's also a subject that Jesus Christ thought was very important. But the Lord himself said, whoever thinks, whoever would hurt, not think, excuse me, whoever would hurt one of these little ones, it'd be better off if a millstone was tied around his neck and he cast into the sea. So everyone with the idea about the Prince of Peace, he didn't say, give them confession. He didn't say, let them pray a little bit more. Christ himself said it would be better if a millstone was tied around their neck and they'd be cast into the sea. So that's how serious the matter of child abuse is. Yes, can child abusers be forgiven? 100%. There's no sin that's unforgivable, less the sin against the Holy Spirit, which is denying Christ's existence and, and, the, and the, the goodness of the Holy Trinity. But the mere fact that Christ made it so important in the gospel to say that makes it all the more important for us to believe that. We have an ongoing problem inside the church and outside the church in political society, in normal society, where children are being targeted. They're being targeted, not only being abused and molested, but the children in your house, people who are listening to this podcast now, are targets. If you don't think they're targets and you don't think that there's an issue out there, you, my friends, are part of the problem. We need to wake up and we need to protect our children. Take your children away from the TV without supervision. Get them off the Internet without supervision. Make sure you know who their friends are. Make sure you know whose house they go over. Make sure you know who the parents of the friends are. Pedophilia and pederasty and child exploitation isn't children from somewhere else. It happens in your very backyard. And if you can't see what they're pushing on our children right now and how they're grooming it to make it normal, then we need to talk about it. And I think we should. So let's let's dig into this. Okay. Back in the 1980s, back in the 1970s, child exploitation would go something like this. A paper boy would go missing. His face would be on a milk carton. And that would be the end of the story. Either he would be returned or found dead or never found at all. You have several stories like that. But what you have now today, what you have now today is the pedophiles and the child rapists and the child murderers trying to make their lust for children normalized so that they don't have to kidnap children. They don't have to steal children or import children from other countries or go to Thailand to do what their nastiness is, but to make it normal. Look at the current situation in schools where they're putting the sexualized material in schools to sexualize our children. 
Well, if you can sexualize a children, if in fact, if you can do anything to a child early, it's a pre- pretty good indication that that child is going to grow up in that fashion. Look at me. I, I learned religion early by holy men and women. And it stuck with me all these many years after. Look at the people who grow up with a baseball in their hand. It's, pretty good, it's a pretty good probability that you're going to play baseball at a later age. Look at the children that are read to in the womb, read to sh- shortly after birth, <clears throat> and continue to be read to up until the time they can read. It's a pretty good idea that they're going to be a bibliophile, a lover of books. So the same goes with negativity and evil. If you subject our children to sexual things, evil sexual things, the so sex isn't evil in itself, but it, it's, it's disordered to, to show a child uh, a, sexual, a sexual lifestyle before you know, they're of the age of understanding and, and they understand reproduction and, and holy marriage. If, you t- if, you, if you're doing that, there's only one goal is to sexualize the children and normalize pedophilia. At the same time, besides having all these uh, LGBTQ normalities in school and having all these sexualized books in school about masturbation and all the other disgusting, filthy things that they want to teach children, we have the UN proposing that maybe crimes throughout the world like pedophilia um, shouldn't exist. Maybe pedophilia is just another sexual preference, another sexual preference like two men and two women. But you know what? Here's the thing. They're all disordered. Whether you're a lover of men and you're a man or a lover of women and you're a woman or you're a man who loves both men and women or you're a man who thinks you're a woman or a woman who thinks you're a man, or you're someone who's a transsexual and decides to mutilate yourself, or you're a pedophile, or you're all of the above. It's disordered. But by trying to normalize it, it makes the playing field and, and honestly, the shopping much easier. You won't no, you'll no longer have to groom a child if the child has already been groomed by society. So it's, it's actually kind of disgusting when I hear people um, talking about uh, sexualization of children. It, it's really, I mean, you, you have people who joke about it. You had uh, not too long ago, it was one of the men's choirs talking about coming for your children and normalizing homosexuality. I believe that was in New York's men's choir. This is a St. Elias Report, producer, factual, clarification moment. As I know George Anthony wishes to avoid error whenever possible, the group involved was actually called the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. Here's what they had to say. You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights? You say we all lead lives you can't respect? You're just frightened You think that we'll corrupt your kids If our agenda goes unchecked Funny, just this once, you're correct We'll convert your children Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly And you will barely notice it You can keep them from disco Warn about San Francisco Make him wear pleated pants, we don't care 
We'll convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair. As the producer of the St. Elias Report, I am somewhat duty-bound to avoid giving values judgment to parts of the show. But George Anthony isn't. And they never apologize for it. It's disgusting. Whether or not they meant it, it's disgusting. But there is an underlying current that, you know, pedophilia and homosexuality tend to go hand in hand. I know that's going to be a really hard pill to swallow for some people. We're not saying all homosexuals are pedophiles. And we're not saying all pedophiles are homosexuals. But there's a good chance. There's a good chance that a lot of the grooming comes out of a deviant lifestyle. If you're if you are disordered and mind you, let's let's. Let's define deviant lifestyle, deviant sexual lifestyle. It's any sexual lifestyle outside of heterosexual marriage, period. Two teen lovers, heterosexual, disordered completely. You have homosexual disorder. If you are not a married heterosexual couple, your sexual lifestyle is dysfunctional and deviant, period. I'm not here to make people happy and, and, and be liberal and kumbaya. If you're not married and you're having sex, period, you have a deviant sexual lifestyle. That's that's it. So how worse is it when it's a disordered deviant sexual lifestyle where it's not even it's even it's not a natural lust for someone. It's not a natural inclination. Right. You know, men and women are are, are fragile and we're made we're made in God's likeness and image. We have things that allow us to fall. And, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to the people who have um, homosexual feelings, but they don't act on them. There, there, there are a lot of them. And God bless them for for carrying that cross because they know and understand that it's wrong. But when we try to we try to do this to a whole generation of, of children it, with, with the hopes that one day this will be normal, where, you know, a 14 year old boy can walk with a 40 year old man down the street and be considered normal, you know, hey. We got to wake up America, frankly, wake up everywhere else. I mean, this is very prevalent, not only U.S., U.S., Thailand, U.K. I mean, I, I've been studying this stuff for over 15 years. And the more st the more I study it, the more aggravated I get because it's just overlooked. You know, I was just reading statistics, to, honestly, Vic, about um, the British political elite. And uh, we all know about, you know, we all know about the American political elite, pedophiles that we have in American society here. You know, ex-speaker of the House, Denner Hastert. Uh, we have, you know, we, we can go on and on. I'm not, I'm not I'm not trying to be political because it's not about Republican or Democrat. It, it, it's about political elite. But I was um, starting a new piece of research into the UK. And it's all it's amazing to me how so many of the pedophiles convicted, mind you, were knighted. Were knighted by the queen herself. After being a convicted pedophile, I can't. Yes, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I find that a bit some, disturbing. There, there are a few that have been knighted prior, but there are some that were knighted afterwards. I, I literally fell out of my seat. I'm like, well, 
I, I couldn't understand what in the hell is going on. And this is this is like in your face. And yeah. Am I accusing Queen Elizabeth of? No, I am obviously not accusing Queen Elizabeth of, of this. In fact, I believe she was um, a woman of great faith, although head of the Church of England, which is completely in opposition to the Catholic Church. And the reason for Protestantism. Her personally, I believe she's a woman of great faith. Um, but. Again, I may be wrong on that as well. I just don't think that she knew what she was doing. It's like any big administration, right? The guy at the top necessarily or girl at the top, gal at the top doesn't necessarily know, you know, all the ins and outs. You don't expect them to study a dossier on every single person that they knight. Of course not. Of course not. Right. Uh, You know, did she know? Maybe, maybe not. But I just found it very precarious that you have pedophiles knighted, just like you have pedophiles in the United States, and I, and I have to get some names. And I think on the next podcast, we're gonna we're gonna start calling out people and making some enemies, um, because you know what? Let's not be afraid. Let let's let's know that the Lord walks near us. I think we're gonna call some names in the in the next podcast. I've already called a couple names here, but there was one gentleman who was accused of um, child rape and got reelected for mayor, United States. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just. I'm 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 flabbergasted that this is even this is this is even a thing. And we're not we're not talking about hearsay. OK, we're not talking about stuff like um, the current president's son who may or may not be right. There's there's maybe little proof in the laptop. We don't know. We don't know what the laptop is. And I don't frankly care. Let's not go there. I mean, just give an example of current situations so people know. But we're talking about a case of a sitting political figure who was convicted and confessed to child rape, apologized, and then he was reinstated as mayor after he ran. Only in America. Well, no, not no. really, because in England, too. <laughs> only in this world, I should say, right? Right. You know, you can no longer say only in America. But it's it's almost as if the world has decided that this is so big of a crime and evil that we're going to pretend it doesn't exist. You know, the eighties was big in uncovering a lot of uh, child sex scandals, uh, pedophilic scandals. And now what we're trying to do as a society is we're trying to go back and call it a panic. You know, everyone's heard of the satanic panic, right? Mm -hmm. Call it a panic and undo a lot of the things that we know to be true. Now, yes, what what does any society go out of control when when things start to happen? When 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 you start to uncover pedophilia and you start to uncover uh, deviancy in society, do some people go overboard? Yeah, like I give, give you an example. There was a there was a thing in the eighties where people were calling out satanic ritual abuse and uncovering a lot of these covens and a lot of these child networks. And people were like attaching things to it, like dungeons and dragons, like the game that was so popular and still is popular today. Do do I believe that's a portal to to hell? No, I don't believe it's a portal to hell. If you, you know, if you take anything in, in moderation, I shouldn't say in moderation. If you take anything in excess, yeah. Can it be a portal to hell? If I drink too much water and become obsessed with drinking water, that's called gluttony. Yeah, it's just water, but it, it's still gluttonous. So, yeah, I mean, people you can die and, from water intoxication. Yeah, actually, exact, exact. Well, there we go. There's our clinician. Um, but, but the point is that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to rewrite history in that all the claims of the people that uh, came up in the 80s with regards to being sexually abused. And there's new, numerous cases, countless cases 
We're trying to undo that. And guess who's at the helm of doing that? Lucian Greaves. Lucian Greaves has set up a uh, web page uh, on the, the Satanic Temple with regards to false memory syndrome. That's the official psychological uh, clinically recognized syndrome that supposedly all these people have, that they're misremembering. I just find it hard to believe that a whole swath of people um, are misremembering sexual torture and satanic ritual abuse. But see, satanic ritual abuse is we're attacking their religion. Let it be known. I'm attacking your religion. Yes, you listening. I'm attacking your religion. So I say that to say this. I'm not scared. I don't fear. But we need to wake up our friends and our, our family members. And we need to get those people who are in positions of power to listen to us. And we need to get the world the United States and wherever you're listening from, wake up, wake up, wake up to Christ, wake up to the things that are happening around you. Hold your children by their hand. Watch what they're doing. Investigate, ask questions, talk to them. It's not just enough to love them from afar and send them away with a cell phone. That cell phone is the pedophile's link to your, to your child. Disable the cameras in, in, in the uh, Amazon devices, in the, the tablets and the, the other toys. You know, there's so many ways to get to our children. The old ways are, you know, snatch and grab. Now it's sign on and talk. There's really endless amounts of ways that one can get to children. They're trying through the schools. They're trying through the media. They're trying through your devices. Soon, soon the snatch and grab, uh, the days of the snatch and grab and, you know, locking in cages isn't going to be anymore. You're just going to see, you know, gentlemen propositioning children in the open. And it's, it, 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 and if we don't stop this nonsense now, it'll be legal and it'll be the normies, what I call us, the, you know, us few normal traditional people with morals and respect. It'll be the normies <laughs> that'll be illegal. We need, we, we need to take a stand now. I don't think the normies, as you call them, are in any way a minority. I think they are a majority, but I think they're frightened. And I think they are more and more choosing to be silent. They're and asleep. You are fighting against that. I'm fighting against people not doing a damn thing and worrying about their own house. Yes, it's good to worry about your own house, but the walls are closing in. They're in the schools. They're in the public places. They're in the military, they're everywhere. They, who are they? The ones that are trying to change nor normal, moral, child-loving society into something that fits a very small agenda. But unfortunately, there's laws being passed where it makes us the minority. Even though we're large in number, our voice is small. We need to stop worrying about pleasing our neighbor and the names that we're going to be called and whether we're politically correct or not, or whether I misgender someone. There's no such thing. And there's no such thing. Let's just be clear. There's no such thing as homophobia. I'm not scared of people who are homosexual. Nor do you hate them. Nor do I hate them. What I don't like 
is the fact that the English language can be structured in such a way that when you speak the truth for goodness and righteousness and God, that you become evil. Evil is evil is good. Wrong is right. Filth is clean. No, it's it's not correct. It's not correct. And by whose standards, you ask? By Jesus Christ himself. I'm not going to back down from that. And I'm not going to, you know, you say, well, well, Buddhist, listen, there's a whole nother subject to talk about our, our, our friends, the Buddhists. It's a whole number subject to talk about our friends, uh, the Jews, or a whole nother subject to talk about our friends, the Muslims. I'm saying people of good faith, look at the Bible as your guide. You can't look at the Quran. You can't look at uh, the ancient scriptures of India. You can't look at anywhere else. There is no other book. There is no other tradition that has no spot in it whatsoever. The prophet himself in Islam was a pedophile. If you want to be real about it, let's talk about it. Your religion is not going to save you. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean that these people are evil. I by no way cast judgment on people, but I can cast judgment on a document. I can open up a document with my own eyes and I can read what I read and I can see what I see and I can see the difference between A and B. So, yeah, do, do I cast? Ju- no, I don't cast judgment on the people who follow a particular religion. Do I cast judgment on the people who follow a particular lifestyle? No, but can I cast judgment? Can I cast judgment on what they do? You can discern the actions of the individual and call them to righteousness, call them to the truth. Just like when I get out of line, my spiritual director and my confessors go up, you did it again. Are they passing judgment on me? Absolutely not. They're passing judgment on the stupidity and the filth and the dirt and the degradation and whatever other garbage that either came out of my mouth or in my actions. I like anyone else is a sinner. I know certainly knowing you, Vic, you're one too. You're in that group as well. Uh, yes, um, I, I've always been very open about the fact that I'm a sinner. I <laughs> never tried I to say, hide that. I don't want to pull you in as like, you know, um, but but it's the truth, right? We 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 laugh about it, but it, it is the truth. Just because I'm sitting up here with a very strong personality, and I want people to understand this, with a very strong personality and a monotone, deep, you know, Bible-waving voice, doesn't mean that's not from a place of love. Love doesn't mean nice and fluffy. Love means we're concerned with the souls of the people that surround us and the society, and that we're not indifferent. We're not trying to make a whole bunch of zombies for Christ. We're trying to make what was intended for us from the very beginning, to be in his likeness and image. And no other religion in the world is going to do that except Christianity and furthermore, Catholicism, because we have the fullness of the truth. You know, we're not casting judgment on anyone. We're saying, wake up. And when you do, realize because it's only of the grace of God. Muhammad's not going to help you become a better person. Buddha's not going to help you become a better person. Atheism, atheism isn't going to help you become a better person. And certainly say, Satanism isn't going to do it. So, yes, I, I hold no punches at this whole entire report. My entire life is in the image and likeness of Christ through tradition of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It's point blank period for me. We're going to get hate mail. We're going to get a lot of different opinions. And I'm happy to discuss with you, my brothers and sisters, whether on email or on some kind of venue, whether even be on this podcast. But I'm calling everyone to wake up 
and I'm calling you guys to see what's happening. And hopefully this first podcast will be the um, start, the shakeup of, of, of the tree, right? I didn't want to come in soft and cuddly and say, hi, my name is George and this is my first podcast. I'm trying to cause controversy because without this controversy, we're not going to save our society. We need to wake up. No, this is not going to be a soft and cuddly podcast, but it's, no, a, needed, it's a needed podcast. George, I think we should call this good for this week. And I got a couple of questions about structure. How often do you believe you'll be putting out uh, an episode? Good question, Vic. Um, I'm going to give you two answers because I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. One, the, the structured politically correct answer would be on a scheduled basis, at least <laughs> once a week or uh -huh. once a month. The other non-politically correct, non-structured answer would be like, whenever I have to do it. In other words, there's something weighing on my heart or something I see in the news. There's like a scandal that's obviously needs to be talked about. We need to jump on here. We need to get that emergency podcast out. We need to we need to broadcast that broadcast that to the world. And if the world is only 32 people in Thailand, you know what? 32 people in Thailand, people in Thailand get to hear. God bless you. You heard the message, mm -hmm. you know, and, and may the may the Holy Spirit silence my lips when stupidity comes out and may he let the waters flow like a mighty stream when I'm speaking the gospel. George, uh, I believe that your particular podcast would genuinely benefit from some sort of prayer of thanks or protection or whatever you want to call it. Uh, do you have one of those you could offer? You know, I do. You queued that up for me. It's just so special, didn't you? you Vic, Vic's a good friend and a wonderful producer. He just he just led me into where I was naturally going to go anyway. So let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask you through the intercession of your most blessed Virgin Mother, Saint Joseph, terror of demons, Saint Michael the Archangel, and all the angels and saints to protect us as we endeavor to fight evil in the world as we see it, to fight evil as you direct us. Loosen our minds and our hearts and our lips to proclaim the true gospel. We ask you, Lord, through the intercession of all the holy men and women that have come before us to allow us to reach as many people as you see fit so that for your glory and for the edification of these individuals and for the saving of souls, we may bring at least one to Christ Jesus. We may bring at least one to heaven. We ask you to protect all our equipment, all our homes, the electric lines which we run our equipment, we ask you to protect our families and our households in which we sit, all the people who surround us and that we would encompass. We ask you, Lord, to send all demons and evil spirits that will try to change our hearts and our minds, that will try to influence us to the evil one. We ask you, Lord, to send them to the cross of your only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for the redemption of this world. We ask these things in your holy name and in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. George, is there anything else we should say before we sign off? 
No, uh, we should we should honestly just uh, let the people know that we also have a website. I think that's in the outro. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Saint Elias Media dot com is our website. And if you have any questions, comments, and or concerns, please contact us at editor at Saint Elias Media dot com. That's S A I N T E L I A S M E D I A dot com. George. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm. I want to make sure that people know this is your show, not mine. I'm the Ed McMahon. You're the Johnny Carson. My pleasure, Vic. We just need a little help getting started, and without uh, any good producer, we don't have a show. I also want to give a shout out to our good friend and our colleague David Griffith. For without him, we would have no website. Without him, we wouldn't have a lot of structure to this show, and without him, we would ju- wouldn't have a very good friend in Christ. Um, so, Brother David, I know you're listening. Shout out to you, my friend. God bless you and your family. For questions, comments, or concerns, please contact us at editor at saintelliasmedia.com. Also, Please visit our website at saintelliasmedia.com where you will find updated articles and additional resources. The St. Elias Report is hosted by George Anthony. It is produced by Vic Hermanson. Our technical director is David Griffith. The St. Elias Report is owned and operated by St. Elias Media and is a Masabiki Brothers production. It could all fall